0: Hi everyone, I'm Em and you are listening to The Empowered Pod. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Empowered Pod. I'm so glad you're here. I'm extra grateful for you if you've already listened to episode one um because we chatted all about this incredible woman named Nellie Bly who was this sick journalist from the 1880s she's so cool so if you haven't heard that already go back and listen to episode one but today we are going to be chatting all about an incredible woman who worked at NASA in the 60s so get excited for that um first and foremost though I think I should just have a bit of an honesty moment with you um right now as I am recording it is quite late in the evening and I'm sitting in my wardrobe in the dark on a pile of shoes just like underneath all of my hanging clothes so obviously it's very glamorous over here but also like a touch chaotic so um I think this episode's gonna be a fun one (laughs) So stay with me, but just know, um, this is your little behind the scenes insight of what it takes to make a podcast with, you know, semi-acceptable acoustics. Um, I'm in the cupboard. I hope that makes you feel better about like whatever you're going through right now. You might feel like you're having a bad day, but at least you're not sitting in the cupboard at 10.30 at night, staring at your computer. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) I reckon on that note, we should just dive straight into Catherine. Oh, I didn't even tell you. Okay, so we are going to be talking about Catherine Johnson. She is an incredible woman who worked at NASA in the 60s and literally was a human computer. So without further ado, ado, adieu, I don't know. Without further faff, I'm going to tell you all about her. Let's get into Catherine. So, Catherine was born in 1918 in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. That's right. Take me home, country road, to a place I belong. I hope that's stuck in your head now. You're welcome. Anyway, back to the point. She was born in White Sulphur Springs to her parents, Joylette, Roberta, and Joshua McKinley-Coleman. She was the youngest of four children, and from a really young age, she showed an impressive amount of mathematical skill. Can't relate, but good on you, Catherine. Um, Where she was living at the time, public school was actually not offered to black students past the eighth grade, and so Catherine and her family moved about 200 kilometers away to institute in West Virginia, just so that she could attend high school. Once she graduated high school at the age of 14, Catherine enrolled in West Virginia State, where she took literally every single maths course that was offered by the college. She then graduated with degrees in mathematics and French, and she took a teaching job in Marion, Virginia. In 1939, she was accepted into West Virginia University's graduate maths program and was actually the very first black woman to attend the school crazy but after a year into her course she actually left to raise her three children in 1952 so about 12 years after leaving West Virginia Uni she was presented with an opportunity to work at the NACA which was the predecessor of NASA now it could be pronounced NACA I don't know I wasn't around in the 50s but I feel like NACA just sounds a little bit too like Aussie, like hard yaka NACA. Anyway, so I'm gonna be calling it the NACA because I feel silly calling it NACA. But you could call it whatever you like. <laughs> so the NACA actually had an initiative to hire black women to solve math problems. Now this sounds kind of random, like why was there an initiative at the NACA to specifically hire black women for specifically math problems? Um, But this was because during the war, um, that being World War II, so many women took over in different industries because all the men were off at war. So when World War II ended, A lot of the women were sent home because the men had returned, but this wasn't the case in mathematics and computing, because IT was, at the time, going through so much growth. Both men and women, white and black, were being hired due to just the sheer quantity of opportunities. So in 1953, Catherine was hired as a part of this initiative and started working at the NACA's Langley Memorial Aeronautical Lab in Virginia. Now at the time, Langley was segregated, so the white and the black staff had separate workstations, separate dining areas and separate bathrooms. Langley was segregated for another five years until 1958, when the NACA became NASA and actually banned segregation. So from 1953 to 1958, Catherine worked as a literal human computer. She was a part of a group of women called the West Computers, or as Catherine actually herself referred to them as computers with skirts. And the women in the West Computers would analyze test data and provide mathematical computations that were essential in the success of the early space program in the US. Catherine once noted that being a woman in those days, you had to be assertive and aggressive because in the early days of NASA, you weren't allowed to put your name on a report if you're a woman. You weren't allowed to be assertive if you're a woman. You weren't allowed to put your hand up and have ideas. So Catherine was really paving the way for women in her field. In nineteen sixty she co authored a report which laid out the equations describing an orbital space flight where the landing position of the aircraft is specified. I gotta be completely honest with you, I'm really not sure what I just said, but I got it off NASA's website, so you can go there if you have any questions. <laughs> but the point of this is Catherine wrote this report with her colleague Ted Skipinsky. Ted was leaving to work in Houston before they'd finished their report. So their supervisor, who's real sexist, was like, no, Ted, you need to stay and finish it because I don't want Catherine's name on this report. I don't want her attributed as the author or someone who's assisted with writing this report. But Ted basically says to the supervisor, mate, she should finish it. She actually wrote most of it and did most of the work anyways. Obviously, that's not word for word, but you get the gist. So just side note, can you imagine that? Imagine working on a group project and actually getting the credit for the disproportionately large amount of work you put in. Shout out to the uni students currently suffering through that. Anyways, so Ted sticks up for Catherine, says she's done most of the work. Let her finish the report. So the supervisor agrees, and Catherine becomes the first woman in her division, the Flight Research Division, to be given credit as an author of a research report. And of course, she went on to author a further 26 research reports for NASA throughout her career. One of my favourite quotes from Catherine is The women did what they were told to do. They didn't ask questions or take the task any further. But me? I asked questions. I wanted to know why. They got used to me asking questions and being the only woman in the room. This quote, and honestly any that you see from Catherine talking about her time at NASA, really reinforces just how much she was paving the way for women before her. She was basically just taking no BS from these guys and was like, no, like, I'm the smartest person in the room here. I may as well be the one talking, despite the fact that you don't think I should be because I'm a woman. She's a badass. Let's continue. <laughs> in 1961, Catherine actually calculated the flight path and did the trajectory analysis for NASA's first official human spaceflight which was the Freedom 7. So she was really working at the forefront um, of the teams who were in charge of putting astronauts in space and during this time her peers and colleagues and the astronauts she was working with, they all trusted her calculations over any of the programmed computer calculations. John Glenn, who was one of the astronauts aboard the Friendship 7 mission and was the first astronaut to orbit the earth, literally took the electronic computer calculations that were prepared before he was about to go up in space and gave them to Catherine to verify because everyone thought she was more accurate than a computer. So crazy. So basically every big dog event that happened at NASA in the 60s, Catherine Johnson was involved in, you know, just casually. So of course, In 1969, Catherine was a part of the team that calculated the launch of the ever-famous Apollo 11, which sent the first three men to the moon. Catherine continued to work at NASA until she retired in 1986. In 2015, she was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in honour of her contribution to the space program. And in 2016, again, just casually, NASA named a whole building after her. Good on you, Kathy. Katherine <laughs> passed away on February 24 last year and is survived by her three daughters, Constance, Joylette, and Katherine her six grandchildren and 11 great-grandchildren all of which she encouraged to pursue careers in science and technology oh man what a smart lady so fun to chat about a woman who was so intelligent and so ahead of the pack in her field and was really assertive about it and just jumped on board dived into teams and was just like hey I'm meant to be here, I belong in this room, so listen to what I've got to say. Well, that is it for today's episode of the Empowered Pod. It's a little bit of a shorter one today, um, but I just love Catherine's story so much, so I was keen to share it with you. Um, in one of the first few episodes, so I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you did, I'm going to leave some resources that I used in the podcast description, and you can check out those. Also, if her story sounded familiar, um, it might be because in I think it was a couple of years ago um, there was a movie brought out called Hidden Figures where they told the story of Katherine Johnson and a bunch of her co-workers who were all really um, making ground at NASA in the 60s. So check out Hidden Figures Um, there's also an incredible article on nasa.gov which again I'll link in the podcast description from 2008 called She Was a Computer When Computers Wore Skirts which chats about Katherine Johnson and has a bunch of direct quotes from her as well which is really cool So, as always, I'm going to be finishing off the pod with a couple of recommendations for you. My first one is simply that movie Hidden Figures. It is amazing. It's really well made um, and obviously some of the story is a little bit fictionalised, but most of it is pretty true to what happened um and it tells the story of catherine and her colleagues um really beautifully so i would recommend that also um look i know this isn't the most creative recommendation but like i mean we're talking about nasa so space um i've been re-watching star wars <laughs> just like super randomly and I know I'm probably the first person who's ever recommended Star Wars to you, so you should go and watch it. No, but um, I recommend Star Wars, but also just recommend watching or listening to or reading something really nostalgic. I also have been listening to the audiobooks of Harry Potter, and I'm just finding so much joy and comfort in watching and listening to and reading things that I loved when I was younger um, that just have that real nostalgic vibe to them. So (laughs) I can't believe my recommendation for you is this, but I literally recommend Star Wars and Harry Potter. (laughs) My final recommendation for you, something to bring you joy, but also to get you thinking, is Melinda Gates' book, the moment of lift. Now, I read this book a little while ago and have recently reread it, but it is all about how lifting women up means everyone is lifted up. And it's honestly part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. It inspired me so much as to the importance of empowering others, but in particular, empowering women. And I would recommend anyone read it because I think it's got really important stuff in it. It also deals with the dissection of theology a little bit, and um, Melinda really goes through what she has experienced trying to figure out how her Catholic faith can align with her values um, that she has in particular in relation to contraception um, and the benefit that it has Um, to society and to communities but then on the flip side the kind of controversy around contraception in the Catholic Church so super super interesting maybe a little bit controversial um, but I really enjoyed that one and would recommend you listen to it on audiobook or read the book feel free to borrow it from me if you want to Um, but yes that is my last recommendation anyway I hope you have the most beautiful day and I will chat to you next Tuesday when episode three of this lovely little pod comes out. So keep an eye out on your podcast feeds for that. See you guys.